right, this is Gary Parrish from CBSSports.com. Again, it's now Monday, March 2nd. This is, of course, the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I'm joined for this edition, as usual, on Mondays by Matt Norlander and Sam Vecini. And I want to start with this. You know, Iowa State fans um, had long believed, or at least hoped, that the Cyclones would be the team to snap Kansas's streak of Big 12 titles. And now we know that's not going to happen. But Iowa State can, oddly, tonight, uh, with a win over Oklahoma, uh, give Kansas, actually give Kansas an 11th straight Big 12 title. ISU uh, beats OU tonight, then everybody in the Big 12 except Kansas will have six league losses at least. KU only has four. Um, they only have two games left, uh, so the math isn't hard to figure out. Norlander, I'll ask you, is Kansas going to win its 11th straight Big 12 title tonight, courtesy of Iowa State? Yeah, I, I got to think Iowa State does win this game. Um you know the final. We're entering the final week of the regular season here for for major conference basketball. The small leagues, uh, a number of them have already finished up, and so their conference tournaments will get underway this week and into this weekend. But now we kind of we turn toward uh, the races finishing up. Uh, Kansas is the big one, just because if it wins an eleventh, obviously that's that's you know a relatively significant headline for that program for that conference. I gotta think Iowa State is going to win this one. Truth be told, they should have won. Over the weekend at K State, um, just a boneheaded play by Nyang in the closing seconds, and a steal led to K State getting the ball. Iowa State couldn't get a shot off uh, to win it, and so they've dropped two in a row. Um, I'm not inclined to believe that ISU is going to lose three straight. Um, I think they're too good for that. They ha- they have this game at home. Uh, I like them overall. I still like, by the way, you know. Matchups, we'll see what they get, but I still like Iowa State under you know elite eight consideration if the, if the bracket were to break the right way. But yeah, mark me down as Cyclones winning, Kansas wins the Big Twelve yet again. Even if you know this win allows them to backdoor into that championship, I uh, I think not only Iowa State's going to win, I think they're going to win somewhat comfortably. You know, like eight to ten points. Oklahoma's good. But uh, but Hoiberg's guys, after dropping two straight, I think they're due for a big one. Sam, let me ask you, is, is there something wrong? Because this is what people were you know, tweeting Saturday after the loss. Because you know a team like Iowa State isn't supposed to lose at home, and then you're not supposed to lose mm-hmm. to a 500 team. So like you, you string those together, and people start going, okay, what's wrong with Iowa State? Is there something wrong with Iowa State or whatever? Um, I, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with Iowa State. I think that they're kind of a flawed team. I don't know that the defense is as good as they, as people initially thought it was at the beginning of the season. It seemed to be a little bit stronger this year, but I think it's the same problem as last year. The defense isn't particularly great there. I think they're in the, like barely in the top 90 of Ken Palm's uh, adjusted defensive deficient or adjusted defensive efficiency uh, rating. So I, I don't know that there's anything wrong with them. I just think that they might be a little bit of a flawed team generally. I wouldn't put this two game skid as a as like a pointer of like a problem that is arising for them. I think they just hit a rough two games where they faced a Baylor team that's really really underrated, and then they went on the road and played a tough Kansas State team that's now beaten three straight ranked opponents in Manhattan. So I don't know that there's anything wrong with this, but I do think that they're going to end it tonight. Uh, Oklahoma hasn't been particularly good against the elite of the conference on the road. I think they lost uh, games to Kansas or yeah, games at Kansas, at West Virginia, and at Baylor pretty handily. 
So I, I think that Oklahoma is going to have some problems when they go to Hilton tonight. And I think that Iowa State's probably going to come out pretty strong and try and pick up that win. So I, I would go Iowa State. I'm with Norlander on this one. I keep hearing people, and since you, we bring up Kansas State, let's touch on this for a second, say, you know, Kansas State's going to be the most interesting team on Selection Sunday. Kansas State's really a dilemma for the Selection Committee. Is Kansas State really a dilemma for the Selection Committee at 15-15? and 15? Man, I, I wrote they, it was they, today in night or on Saturday in night court. I wrote it was oh, like I mean, wh- why? Well, uh, all right. I think it's it, it's got the potential here. So, Parrish is are you kind of with? Uh, I read Mike DeCourcy's thing, and he's his basic thing is if if you're 15 up and 15 down, you really don't have much of a case because 500 teams shouldn't be under consideration. Well, no, I don't necessarily believe that because what if you played the most ridiculous schedule in the history uh, of college right. basketball? I, yeah, I, I so I, I don't think you can paint with that broad of a brush. I, I agree. I agree. So. Um, I would not have K State in as of now. They are all right. So it gets interesting because, and this is actually where I think the hopefully the selection committee really, and I believe that they can and they do and they will really expands its debate and dialogue beyond the simple team sheets, which are RPI driven and RPI based, to look at what K State's done and other metrics because they're eighty in Ken Palm, but. If you were to match up K-State's power numbers with Texas, you really have to take K-State over Texas because Texas is 1-11 against the RPI top 50. K-State has, what, six top 50 wins, seven top 50 wins at this point? Seven. So, so from that perspective, you can say, listen, with just as many opportunities, K-State has proven that against tournament-quality competition, it is more likely to win than Texas. You can also counter that and say that they're more likely to lose, but it comes upon... What are you valuing? Personally, I would take teams that you're that are more likely to win more often against the better teams. And if we're just going K State and Texas, and it just it doesn't have to be those two teams, but that's you know same league in Texas is brutal right now. Um, I don't see how you don't take K State in that situation. But overall, if you took it, take their whole profile, all the metrics, if you've watched them play, to me, I still wouldn't even have them first four out. I'd have them. I'd have them below that. But it it will get interesting. If they win at Texas, which they they play, that's their last game, and it comes up this weekend. And if they win at least one Big Twelve tournament game, they do that, they'd be seventeen and fifteen. They lose their next one, seventeen sixteen. It would be intriguing. I don't think I'd have them in, but I get the argument. Yeah, I don't have just so we're clear. I don't have any issue with putting a seventeen and sixteen team in, or even like a fifteen and fifteen team in. Like I don't. The record doesn't bother me in terms of like. Honest to God, like when I do the top 25 and one every morning, that I'll tell you two things that I never actually look at or rarely look at. Where you're at in your conference standings, like I just don't even pay attention to it. Like I have no, I honestly can't tell you most, like, you know, who's third in the Big 12. I really don't know off the top of my head. I don't even look at that stuff. I don't think it matters to me. And, and secondly, I don't really look at your record that much. I mean, I'm very aware of the record, if only because I have to type it in, but um, I, I look at quality wins, bad losses. That, that I mean, that that's what I pay attention to. Like, who have, what what are the quality wins on your resume? What are the awful losses on your resume? How many quote quality quality losses do you have? I look at it like through that prism. And when I and so when I look at Kansas State, I don't get caught up in the in the fifteen and fifteen as much as I get caught up in the five losses outside of the top one hundred. Like that's a lot for an NCAA tournament team. That's a lot of losses outside of the top one hundred. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, I agree. Okay, so yeah, I, I would agree as well. On the other hand, let me say this. Okay. I could argue that uh, of those five, 
Um, three of them came before January 1st. And so really, since they, we started conference play and what a lot of people consider the toughest conference in America, uh, they've, they've, you know, they've been, they've only taken two bad losses all year. Right. And I, I could argue it both ways. Okay. And the other thing is, so, um, they didn't have Marcus Foster, right. um, for some of these losses, but that was due to suspension and not injury. So where do we stand on players that miss games based on, you know, bad actions off the court and nothing that's, you know, not, not an injury. I, well, I, I, I would say, um, like, I wouldn't factor that in at all. Because if that became something that the committee actually considered, like, well, you know, Marcus Foster was suspended for this loss, so we need to, then what, what, wouldn't there be an eventual, like, Greg Popovich strategy where you got to go play at Allen Fieldhouse and you just suspend yeah. one of your top three players so you, so that's you, a, that's a good point. So you get credit yeah. for it. Yeah. You know, it's almost like, I would agree with that, and and you you evaluate a team, and you don't take the suspension into account in most cases. I would I would agree, but and, and whether you include them or not, you know, disregard that. But when then it, when it comes to seeding them, and if that player is going to be available, um, you should seed them appropriately. It's almost like you have to blend both philosophies there because K State with Foster is undeniably a much better team than without him. So it, it gets tricky. Where do you stand on BYU? Because, you know, they, they get a great win right. at Gonzaga on Saturday night. I mean, a superb, superb win. It was their first top 50 win. Palm has them as the very last team in the field, and he only has them in now because Pittsburgh took a bad <laughs> loss at Wake on Sunday. Um, so he's got BYU in. And he's also got Boise State in, who I would have in. This is his Dayton teams. Illinois, A&M, Boise State, BYU, I think BYU needs to make the WCC final, and then we'll see what happens. But as of right now, I actually don't think I would have them in. The problem for BYU is going to be if you don't make, if you don't lose to Gonzaga, then you're basically taking another bad loss without getting another good win. Exactly. Right? I mean, there, there's no way around it. Like, if you do not play Gonzaga again, then then you're going to finish with one top fifty win, and you're going to add another bad loss. I mean, at best, the loss uh. would. Well, St. Mary's. It's still, it's a top. I mean, that's outside of the top sixty. I mean, it's not a bad loss, but it's not. not brutal, it would help you. Not, it doesn't really. Yeah, the only loss that can maybe like just not hurt you is Gonzaga. Right. The only loss. That's the way to put it. The only loss that can't hurt you is a Gonzaga loss. And I, I'll say this: um, the resume is is um, you know it's missing some <laughs> some stuff there, but. Um, you know, three losses outside of the top 75, that's it. A lot of their lack of quality wins is um, schedule-induced, league affiliation-induced. In other and, words, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean, they're also hurt by Stanford losing. I mean, Stanford yes, drops yeah. a home game to Oregon, right? and it, it prevents Stanford from creeping into the top 50 of the RPI. And I know it can be silly because a team could be 50 or 51 as opposed to 49 or 48. Sure. And so you really hope the committee has at least some nuanced discussions in there and they're acknowledging that these kind of things. But the fact is Stanford's careening and they're not helping whatsoever. Um, and if they don't have the Stanford loss to hang their hat on in terms of non-conference, they don't really have anything. And when you haven't been able to win the high majority of your games, when you've dropped seven or eight games and you lack non-conference strength and wins – it's not going to do you a lot of favors. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'd say this uh, while recognizing, and this you always have to qualify everything. Not uh, keep in mind, not everybody does. People just will like tweet, "Oh, this team's in. This team's punched his ticket. This team's out." Like without recognizing yeah. that you know it's um, 
it's not it's never quite as simple as that or rarely quite as simple as that. But I, I would say this, um, without knowing how the rest of the country will unfold, uh, my guess is that if BYU can uh, only only loss left on its on its resume will be another loss to Gonzaga, I think they'll get in. Uh, I agree. I do with think. That. Okay, oh, go ahead, Sam. Yeah. Um, here's another thing to keep in mind with BYU: they've lost eight games. None of them have been by more than seven points. Right. Um, so I, I think that again, as long as the committee takes into some takes into account like a little bit more than just what's on the sheet and what's on the resume, and I think they do. Like, I, I don't like that we we're kind of boiling everything down to an RPI. Like, this committee is a bunch of really really smart people who make well-informed decisions typically um whether or not byu getting in would be a well-informed decision that's really up for debate i think that i would probably side with them being in i think that they've proven throughout the year they are a tournament tournament quality team like they, they went to that double overtime game with san diego state they went to overtime with purdue they played utah really really tough they played gonzaga tough in that first game that they played um you know these close losses i think that there's something to them and i i would default with byu being in even if they only do have that one big win and that big win by the way is probably one of the four best wins in all of america this season i would with... i would i would definitely agree that byu yeah. getting a win at gonzaga would qualify as a top five win for any team in the country this year uh, i do want to just clarify something so uh, personally i would have byu in personally if it was my choice right now i would have them in yeah. um but the thing is like I'm, I guess we're just trying to do fans justice and trying to project what the committee is going to do. And since they have these team sheets that you know, it's, they don't they don't always and only use RPI, but the team sheets is based purely off of RPI data. Sure. There's nothing else that goes into yeah. them. So when they do that, and when they put up BYU compared to one, two, three, four, five other teams, and they've got top fifty wins, road, neutral, strength of schedule, all that stuff is baked into uh, the RPI's DNA. And so with that, I'm just trying to compare it historically to how they've made other decisions and the fact is if you only have one rpi top 50 win and your schedule has one win over a tournament team rarely will you make it into the field that's that's the only that's where i'm coming from but i would personally i would have byu in yeah well like well the other issue okay like texas a&m right now has got zero top 50 yeah and i would not see that's where in yeah like i don't the Texas A&M thing is weird as hell to me. Yeah, I, like, I, like here's the I thing. don't get it with them either. At some point, we got to have 68 teams in this bracket, one way or another, right? And yeah. so I just believe, I, I believe that if if all BYU does is take one more loss to Gonzaga, then I, the, one way or another, they'll they'll maybe it's first four, but they'll be they'll be in the field. And th- th- this is also an interesting debate that I think we run into sometimes. I don't think anybody would reasonably argue that BYU isn't one of the best at-large teams available. Like, good enough to make it, but do they have the resume to back it up? Like, you know you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah. Like, I clearly, to me, I mean, you got two, two dudes like they got. Um, you've got a win at Gonzaga. You've got a top 30 Ken Palm rating. Like, you're good enough to be in the field, but do you have the resume to, to get you right. into the and, field? And, I, and yeah. I, listen... I, I think you should have the best teams, right. but we have to have checks and balances in no, place. No, I agree. And like you have to have yeah. programs schedule teams outside of their league. Like you gotta you gotta have that be part of the situation because then otherwise, like the sports just suffers. Like there's too many garbage games in November and December, and I would I would argue even there's even already now, too many. Yeah, so, there's too yeah. many. So you you've gotta 
you've got to balance those. And I, and I think a lot of that's understood, but maybe still not quite understood enough. I mean, listen, Pittsburgh, you, you get what you deserve. I mean, Dixon is, has been unapologetic in his refusal to schedule up. I mean, he never does. And you get into situations like this. I mean, Jamie wins more than 20 games every year. I mean, it is a guarantee. But you take a loss at Wake late in the season, well, you don't have a lot to stand on from what you did earlier. And now Pittsburgh, in my opinion, Pittsburgh's not going to get in. I mean, they're going to have their chances to get the wins, but I don't think they're a good enough team. And at the end of the day, this is where it bites you when you're in a good league with a lot of opportunities. If you blow it and you don't have you know, a great team, well, then this is what's going to happen. Keep in mind with Pitt, and I'm not defending the resume as much as, um, you know, they're going to make sure the committee understands they were shorthanded for the majority of their losses. I, I think the only full-strength losses they have on their schedule, I'd, I'd need to look at it. I want to say it's Duke, Virginia, and Wake now. So, like, whatever that means, I don't know. But that'll be uh, that'll be a point of, of something, uh, you know, on, on Selection Sunday. So I mentioned earlier, I don't really look at uh, conference standing so much, but I am very aware of like who's at the top of most of them. And so I was looking at it this morning. Okay. So league titles already secured. Arizona, Wisconsin, Kentucky, Virginia, Villanova, Wichita State, Gonzaga, New Mexico State, Kansas is on track. San Diego State is on track. Basically every relevant conference at the top has gone exactly the way it was supposed to go. Did you... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean that. It, I mean, really? Okay. Yeah, well, like, think of one that has. Yeah, it. you're right. Yeah. You're right. Basically, well, maybe, maybe Virginia instead of Duke, right? Or, or Duke instead. You know, like I think Duke. Yeah, was the that's pick. well. Yeah, I mean. That's, yeah, but okay. But that's not even then. That's not like crazy at it, all. No, yeah. it's not crazy. Basically, every league title outside of maybe the ACC has gone. You know, the relevant leagues have gone. It's gone the way it was supposed to go. Meantime. 12 of the 15 schools that were ranked in the preseason top 15 of the AP poll are still ranked in the top 25. Basically, the teams that were supposed to be good outside of Florida, Texas, VCU because of an injury, um, basically the teams that were supposed to be good are have been good. Is this like the – and I don't mean ever, like literally ever, but it feels like this has been a per, you know among the most predictable college basketball seasons we've seen in a, in a while. It's gone sort of the way it was supposed to go, at least at the top. Yeah, no, I think there is something to that. I actually think that's a a good thing um, because the teams involved are obviously you know well known teams, and at the very top, you want Kentucky. I mean, listen, for Kentucky to be undefeated at this point is tremendous for college basketball um, because it's gotten to the point where there are Goliath among Goliaths. Like they transcend the the Duke thing where you where fans want to see Duke lose to some sort of underdog, which has now happened <laughs> plenty of times, including VCU in 06, uh, when they were a six and VCU was 11 with Kentucky being as good as it's been. And some people, you know, I got to give credit. A few people did think that this would happen, that they would go undefeated. I did not. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good thing because now it sets up for, you've had a season of a, of a lot of expected results, generally speaking, in terms of how teams performed. But then it sets up beautifully for the tournament when upsets are inevitable and harder, harder to predict uh, you know, on a game-by-game -game basis. But they're going to be coming, and it, it kind of increases the drama. Sam, if you were mad at Bill Self for not playing Cliff Alexander, how mad are you at the NCAA right now? <laughs> Pretty angry. They're, they're just awful people for not letting, <laughs> not letting Cliff prosper. <laughs> if, hey, it's, listen, if, it's, if, it's, just, if it's not Bill Self holding Cliff Alexander back, it's the freaking NCAA. Poor I mean, Sam. Right? could have a situation here, and Sam can expound on this, but like he might not ever play in a Kansas uniform again. He may play in a week. We don't know. But right now, this isn't a great thing to come about at the end of February, early March. No. Yeah, no, and they kind of need him, it seems like, because they really struggled at home against Texas this weekend. 
Like they, they need his size inside to at least just give them another body because trailer and Lucas are, they're fine. Don't get me wrong. Like they're, they're both good, like third big men in the NC, like in big hoop, like big college, college basketball, but you know, they, they aren't particularly great. And luckily Perry Ellis has just been incredible over the course of the last like three weeks. He's been averaging something like 20 and 10 over the course of that time. And he, you know, they can get by on that, I think, but eventually they're going to run into a team in the NCAA tournament where that team can kind of kill them inside in a way that, you know, Texas probably struggled with a little bit this weekend just because they they struggle a little bit sometimes to get the get those big men the ball. But eventually they're going to run into a team that can get those guys the ball and is re- they're really going to pound Kansas inside. So I, I think that this is actually a bigger injury than it's or not an injury, a bigger, bigger loss of a player than it's being made out to be just because Cliff hasn't been as good as we expected this year. So I'll be interested to see how Kansas responds. I think they probably still beat West Virginia because West Virginia is really banged up and they'll, they'll get their big 12 title. And, you know, Oklahoma is going to be a rough game because Tayshawn Thomas and Ryan Spangler, I think they probably drop that game, but I'm going to be interested going forward to see how they do on a neutral floor with, out really an inside presence outside of Perry Ellis, who kind of floats in that floats in that middle area of an inside out threat more than a true inside presence. All right. And I think I, you know, let's say they drop a game in the big 12 tournament, which is reasonable to expect. If that happens, I, to me, we've got an interesting situation developing in terms of the two seeds. I mean, Kansas mm-hmm. might not be a two in that situation if they drop one that they shouldn't lose, quote unquote, they shouldn't lose, right? So if that happens, I don't even know. Maybe, like, could Notre Dame possibly get the other two seed, but then you'd have three ACC teams? Because right now, you've got Kentucky, Virginia, Duke, Villanova. Those are the ones, right? Uh, Wisconsin, Arizona, Gonzaga, Kansas are seen as the twos. I think the ones and twos are pretty clear cut at this moment. At this moment, right. At but this let's, moment. And just let's briefly just entertain, like, what if Gonzaga loses to non-BYU team? Would they drop to a three line? I don't know. Uh, and if Kansas loses and they don't have Cliff and they get to six situa- selection Sunday and they don't have Cliff, if they're not a two at that point, I don't know who you take as a three. Uh, to me, it's kind of a toss-up there. If Notre Dame played well in the ACC tournament, I don't know. We could be heading to an interesting situation there. And Gonzaga, by the way, their loss dropped him from a one in the West to a two in the South because Nova leapfrogged them in then Arizona, which beat Gonzaga, and has tremendous top ten wins overall. Then they get the they get the two in the West. So that was just, you know, it was a pretty eventful weekend near the top of the bracket overall. Yeah, I mean, like, what happens if Maryland rolls through the Big Ten tournament? Another uh, team, another team's Baylor. Baylor has a lot of really good wins. They're right. like five and three against the top 25. If they, they roll off the end of their the schedule. Yeah. If they roll off the end of their schedule, they could easily jump up to that two line. I think. Yeah. It does seem like there's a little bit of a gap between at, again, at this moment, everything could change tomorrow. But at this moment, like I, I think the, the top four, there's a gap between four and five. Like I think Villanova's resume is better than Wisconsin's resume. You, you, like any way, you, any way you look at it, like there's there's no real. I mean, you can you can just argue that you think Wisconsin's better than Villanova, and I might agree with you. But like you can't argue that Wisconsin's resume is better than Villanova's. You can't yeah. argue that. And so uh, then after that, you know, Wisconsin, Arizona, Gonzaga, Kansas, locked into the twos right now. Again, it could change, but right now I don't. I think if the committee announced the ones and twos, they would look exactly like everybody has the ones and twos right now. It seems pretty easy to pick out. And then, 
You know, what, yeah. I don't know if Wichita and Northern Iowa can get above a three line. I just, I think. The, I don't think they. Yeah. I think I, well, here's my, my prediction is that. I wanted to ask you about that game since you were there, Gary. But I, I think I think Wichita will win the Valley Tournament, and they'll get a four. And I think Northern Iowa will get a five. Just my guess. Um, I, I, here's the thing that's great is I think that both of those teams – I'm going to have a hard time not picking both into the second weekend because I actually really enjoy the way both teams play. Um, and I would love if they both got fours, to be honest. I feel like – I feel like they're just not. The committee's not going to reward both. They should, and it would be terrific. But what's your read on that? And then how was the game this weekend? And you know, for Wichita State to have won the way that it did, I thought was pretty vital to its seed because we talked about that last week. Uh, but also, it just kind of reinforced that. And you know, to me, Fred VanVleet's just freaking boss. Like I think he is so good. You know what? He's Sam not, hates him. He's he's always hated him. You know what? I, Van Vliet's not going to be the <laughs> he's not going to be the MVC Player of the Year again. I don't think. Uh, it's gonna be Tuttle. Yeah, Tuttle. Tuttle's gonna get it. I would think. Yeah. You know what? But you, the most important player in that league is Fred VanVleet. Yeah. For everything he does for them, and I'm not like forget the numbers. The numbers are fine, but like the way he runs that team, the leadership stuff, the intangible stuff. Like I have never heard a coaching staff, and I spent a lot of time with the Wichita State staff this this weekend. Um, rave about a player as much as they rave about Fred. Just like everything, all the stuff you've heard about him, like great leader, great like it's you don't hear anything kind. All, all that, all that, it's just enhanced when you spend time around the program. Like they, they, there's nobody that says, yeah, you know, like he's okay, but he ain't the leader you think or anything. There's none of that. Like he is everything, every good thing you've ever heard, and. Um, you know, Ron Baker's got tremendous numbers. Seth Tuttle's obviously been awesome. But if it's truly, and it's not, it's, you know, it's a player of the year. So if you want, you could go Tuttle, Baker. I don't care. I'm not going to protest it. But if, if it comes down to who's the most important player on a t- any team in that conference, the answer is Fred VanVleet. He's just, he is tremendous. And he was awesome the other day. The game was um, as good as it gets. I mean, in terms of atmosphere, you don't get better. I mean, I'm talking Duke, Carolina. I'm talking Kentucky, Arkansas. I'm talking like how you know Wisconsin, Michigan State, whatever you, you you can get you can get as good, I guess, but you can't get better than than the way that building was on uh, on Saturday. And then I, I think it was two high level teams. Like I I don't know if either one of them will end up in the Final Four, but I, I think they're two you know top four seeds. I think they're two um, whether they get the get it or not. I think they're two of the top sixteen teams in the country. I think either one's good enough to get to a Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight. Um, and it was a high quality basketball game as well. It was terrific. I'm glad I went. Yeah, I, I would. I think they're both two of the top 16 teams in the country as well. Um, totally agree with you guys. Yep. And uh, I, I really hope that they face off in the Valley Title game because I think that would be terrific and um, would probably help the committee just a little more in terms of of seeding. That Valley Title game is always kind of in a good TV spot where you know they can watch and kind of pay attention to it. So. I don't know. It was. I thought it was. It was a pretty good week, and I will own up to just come totally, totally whiffing on Arkansas. We'll call that one of my bad. <laughs> um, you know, that was uh, that was pretty brutal. Uh, Kentucky fans just love flooding your mentions. Like they just love it. Um, but hey, I, it it makes me feel like I just I don't want to be the one to pick Kentucky like everyone else when we get there. I'm I'm gonna have a hard time not doing it. I don't know. We'll see how the bracket is. Arkansas, I still like Arkansas despite them not really 
giving Kentucky anything. I don't know. I like I like the way that they Dude, play. Keep, keep in mind, we have seen Kentucky do that this season to the Big 12 champs, to uh, a UCLA team that's probably going to make the NCAA tournament, to like, you know, to high level teams. I mean, yeah, they. they- they allowed Providence to score 38 points, and Providence is probably one of the, like the top, I don't know, 30 offenses in America. Yeah, they like, like they're, they're, they're they really are, good. They do not. They don't blow everybody out. Clearly, they don't. I mean, you can go look at the, the schedule, but they are capable of blowing everybody out. Like they are capable of 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 beating basic, maybe not Virginia. I think because I think Virginia could slow it down and all this stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. when they are clicking, when they are really clicking, there is nothing. Um, weird about them beating a top 50, a legitimate top 15 team by 20 they can do they're, they're good enough to do that and so um you know people can do whatever they want to with the brackets i just think that when you start and you will you'll see people picking teams other than kentucky they're just doing it to be different they're, they're, you know kentucky's the team it's clear it's as clear a favorite as we've had in a long long time i mean um uh, I, I know we got to wrap up here in just a second, but I wanted to come full circle and talk kind of Monday night stuff because we got Baylor at Texas. Um, in my estimation, and I, if Texas were to lose this game, personally, I would not put them in unless they minimally reached the Big 12 title game and en route to doing that were dominant. I mean, that might not even do it. Um, you cannot drop a home game to Baylor. You, I mean, they can, they they might, but I don't I don't see how they can afford to lose this one. And and and, and if they win it, I think it goes a long way to helping their case. I think this is actually a fairly massive game for Texas, which is just careening off the side of the road. Virginia has a sneaky tough one um, at Syracuse. It's a game they can lose, and if they did, uh, Duke would have a really strong case to jump Virginia. Um, since they won the head-to-head matchup in Charlottesville, um, so I don't know. With that, in Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Big Twelve on the on the you know on the line, I think that uh, it's it's a pretty awesome Monday to wrap up the regular season. Yeah, no, and Texas needs. I mean, they just need wins. I mean, they only have two. It's March second. Uh, they have two top fifties. Um, a win over a UK, you know, beyond that, a win over a UConn team that's not very good. A win over a Kansas State team that's five hundred. A win over a Cal team that whatever. I mean, there's not much in the win, you know, in the win category. So um, any win, Baylor, any basically any Big 12 quality win at this point, they need to get, and they'll have to get some of the tournament um, as well. All right, let's wrap this up and get out of here. Remember, everybody, you can subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast over on iTunes. Click this way to make sure you get your hands on the latest edition. So go do that, and I will talk to you again on Wednesday. Take care.